Welcome to the Purposeful Podcast. I'm your host, Jane, founder of Nyla and Purposeful Living. In every episode, we'll be diving into the world of wellness, breaking it down into bite-sized pieces that I hope will change your life. You'll be hearing solo podcasts from myself, as well as from my amazing guests, men and women from every area of the wellness sphere, sharing their journeys and their insights. Ready? Let's dive in. Welcome to episode three, where we'll be taking the first look at how I cured my infertility, autoimmune inflammation, and got my life back. I'll be asking you whether or not transformation has already knocked at your door and how to know when she does. So I'm going to take you back 10 years ago to a time in my life where I was a very different person. I'd studied for various different careers. I had gone back and forward with what I wanted to do. I, by that time, I was a mum to a tremendously energetic little boy, and I was totally and utterly lost. I did not know who I wanted to be anymore. I didn't know who I was at that point in time, and I was overwhelmed by negativity and insecurity and helplessness. So if I take you back to an 18-year-old me, at that point, I was 100% sure of what I wanted to do. I had spent my life studying, building up to the moment where I was going to study journalism. I knew I was going to be an author, I knew I was going to go back and live in France at some point, and I knew I was going to make a change in the world. Like, I 100% felt that with every cell of my body. And I had spent my entire adolescence campaigning for what was right, so for women's rights and for children's rights, and I was so sure of my future, and I was very, very sure of my ability. So the question then is, what had changed? So I could bore you with the past. I could tell you the stories of how I had changed from this environment in the UK that had really it really nurtured my faith in myself. I had been encouraged to follow my dreams to this one where I was in Spain, surrounded by constant negativity, jealousy, um, constantly being doubted and questioned. But the truth is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because what really matters was the day that I decided to change. So the thing about growth experiences is that They often come tapping ever so gently at your door before they come, as was my eventual case, to literally tear down the whole house. But we don't hear the tapping. So my ectopic pregnancy was, I'm going to say it was more of a knock than a tap at my door in terms of growth, because it's the closest and I hope it's the closest I will ever come to a near-death experience and it did change me. I woke up from that experience and I said to myself, Jane, this isn't okay. You've 
got to make a change. You've got to wake up. This is not living. This is not you. So I searched everywhere for a purpose. And at the time I thought, oh, this is amazing. I found it in design. And I set up my first clothing company and I went straight back into finishing one of my degrees that I'd left. And then I studied to get a teaching qualification because I thought, oh, if I go and work in my son's school, that will give me extra purpose. And yet I was just coming up against the same resistance from everyone around me, also the same resistance from myself. And I was like, but look, now I have this purpose. Like now I'm doing something. This is meant to have gone away. This void is meant to have gone away. And then I thought, okay, maybe the void was the baby that I didn't have. So maybe I need to become a mum again. So you've got to bear in mind that by this point, due to my atopic pregnancy, I only had one fallopian tube left and it was very seriously damaged and both my ovaries were damaged. And I had been told that the chances of me having a baby were slim to none. So I thought, right, well, I'm going to do IVF then. And I, again, I ignored the taps, the little tapping at the door. Because for the past two years before that moment, on the clock, during my cycle, my mouth would fill with ulcers, my throat would literally close up like an allergic reaction, and I would fail to get pregnant or I would miscarriage. So ignoring all that, I threw myself into IVF. And of course, the same thing kept happening. One miscarriage after another. And I can tell you, I was broken. Then the doctors diagnosed a rare autoimmune reaction to pregnancy. And they said, we can just continue with rounds of IVF and we can give you huge amounts of medication And that medication comes with a risk. It comes with a risk to your health, not only during the pregnancy, but long term. And it also comes at a risk to your unborn baby's health. And intuition told me, Jane, just adopt. Why would you do this to yourself? Why are you doing this to yourself? Because as I said, I was broken by this point. So... I went home, this was, you know, I just had a miscarriage from the IVF and I went home and I said to my husband, I just need to be alone. And I went down to the beach, I went down to the sea and I am not exaggerating when I tell you that this was the first time I had been alone since Oliver was born. So Oliver was now five years old. So I had never, ever been separated from him, not even for a second. I'd had no respite from being a mum. I had had no one to give me a break and no time to ever think, you know, without the noise, without the constant distraction. And I looked up at the sky and I literally said, I'm done. Like, I'm done with grasping at being a mum again. And I am done with endless 
courses, trying to give myself meaning or trying to prove myself to somebody, I am tired. I don't want to fight anymore. And I wrote a goodbye on a piece of paper to all of those feelings and I floated it out to sea. And then I gave thanks for the sun I already had. And I mean like real gratitude. I cried with gratitude for that miracle that was my son. And at that point, I honestly had no idea what I'd actually done. So eight weeks later, as I'm leaving the adoption agency and I'm going for my wedding dress fitting because it was so much easier to adopt if we were married and I discovered I was pregnant and that I'd fallen pregnant the day after I'd let all of that shit go. But growth was not done with me or maybe I wasn't done with her. But at seven months pregnant with my second son, I lost my mobility from the waist down on my left side. So growth at that point had literally come to tear down my house. It had tapped, it had knocked, and because I paid no attention to it, it tore my house down. And that I find is often a way that people go through true growth, through trauma. But I can tell you, it's probably already tapping at your door. If you're listening to this and some of this is resonating with you, you probably know it's already tapped. And I beg you, listen to it when it taps. Don't wait for it to tear your house down. So I had back surgery two weeks after my son was born. I was in 24-hour excruciating pain. I couldn't walk. I couldn't sit. I was losing control over my bowel movements and I couldn't pick up or feed my son. And I felt so unbelievably alone. So my back surgery, they considered it a medical success. The surgeon had removed the biggest hernia of his career, he proudly told us, uh, thinking that I must have been in some sort of car accident to have that sort of damage, which I hadn't been. And he said there was no longer pressure on my sciatic nerve. So although it was damaged, I should be fine. I should be fine. And he saw no reason for me not to be fine. But I was still in excruciating 24-hour pain. Still couldn't hold my son. I could still barely walk. And the days of feeling like that turned to weeks And then they turn to months and all these promises of, oh, that pain will go. Oh, that will subside. Never happened. And when I went back to my surgeon, his response was, I did all I can. You are so lucky not to be in a wheelchair right now that you should be giving thanks. And there I am with all this pain thinking, are you actually kidding me? So I spent all day lying on my side because that's all I could do because everything else was too painful. And I've got my baby next to me and the only way for me at that point to interact with my eldest son was by forcing a smile and holding back the tears and 
trying to interact with him, but physically I couldn't. And I just felt like such a failure. I felt like a failure as a mum to both of my boys. And I thought, what is the point? Like, why would they need a mum who is so unbelievably useless to them? That was my train of thought at the time because I was consumed by my pain and the negativity and everything else. And then through a mum from school, uh, she managed to, and she literally went above and beyond to get me this appointment with a doctor. And I had an appointment at quarter to midnight. And that is no joke, quarter to midnight in his private clinic. And every bone in my body said to me, what if he's a serial killer? That's all I could think of. And I was like, who the hell works at that time of night in August on a Saturday? You know, lost. I'd lost all hope that I was ever going to be cured by this point. So I just thought, you know what? If he's a serial killer, we'll soon find out. And I don't know how I got to his clinic. I know that I laid at the back of a taxi because I couldn't sit up and I had to sort of explain to the guy that I couldn't and then he drops me off and this is in the middle of Benidorm and that's about an hour away from where I live and Benidorm at the best of times is a scary place but in August on a Saturday night at quarter to midnight I cannot explain what that is and I thought to myself how am I going to get even to the door. I don't know how I got to the door. I swear it was divine grace that took me to that door. And then I'm faced with two flights of stairs. And I thought, okay, I can't get up those stairs. I hadn't been up a flight of stairs since I was seven months pregnant. And, you know, five, six, seven, seven months by that point have passed. And I still haven't made it up or down a flight of stairs. And there was like, you know, those chairs that they have for the elderly that go up and down. And I thought, I don't know how to work one of these. And I didn't want to be a burden to anybody. So I snake crawled myself up two flights of stairs, managed to ring the doorbell. And you can imagine the look on this guy's face. I'm expecting a serial killer. He's finding this urchin on the floor. Like, what is she doing? He didn't even ask to look at my scans. He was like, I don't need to look at your scans. This guy is, he's a surgeon. He's an osteopath. He's a, there's not a title this man doesn't hold. And he was like, we just need to get you a little bit of respite. So if you've listened to my last episode about nutrition saved my life, um, you'll know that I naturally rid myself of inflammation. This doctor was unbelievable in helping me. He got me to a point where I could start on that journey. And I ended up giving up all of my meds and trying to heal myself through nutrition. And I actually got walking again. So if you haven't already listened to that one, have a listen. But the important thing is it was a time of such clarity. But again, I hadn't realized what I'd actually done. So 
that clarity in that moment brings me this business idea for Nyla. It brings me the success of being in all the major magazines, in the newspapers. It brings me the success of, you know, seeing my clothing on all these celebrities and the royal family. And, you know, I have these routines in the morning and I am literally living the poster girl, healthy lifestyle and one year in, growth comes tapping again. But this time, I was ready to hear it at tapping. I was not ready to let that go all the way to tearing down the house. I was like, no, thank you. Not another fucking growth experience. Don't need it. So my hair had started thinning, but like really thinning. And I had immense itching and pain in my scalp and the pandemic hits and just like everybody else I'm thrown into silence a complete lack of distraction except for obviously running a business and trying to homeschool desperately my two little boys and I tell you what there were many days where I just gave up and it gave me so much time to think and I'm like wow okay, I've got the purpose with this successful job and I've got a good-sized friendship group and I've got two healthy boys. I've got no more back pain. In fact, at that point, I would say I was the fittest I have ever been in my entire life. But there's still a hole there. And I thought, why is my hair falling out? Why is my immunity flaring again? I was starting to get the ulcers back in my mouth again. So I start tracing back the steps and a pattern emerges. And suddenly I came to the realization that I have been the driving force behind all of these changes. Each trauma had literally taken my ego and it had shattered it into tiny pieces. My first major trauma because there have been other traumas but my first major trauma that I recognized the ectopic pregnancy that had forced me to be alone with myself it had forced me to go deep and literally stick two fingers up at trying so hard to fit within a mold it forced me to let go of the old me the me with the damaged tubes who wouldn't be another be a mother that's how I was defining myself, someone who needed to prove something. And against all odds, I'd cured my infertility. And then comes the second trauma, my loss of mobility. So that by far opened the biggest gateway. I literally felt like I'd been born again after that experience. Because in all of that silence, that gift of silence, that soul searching, I had found immense gratitude for the now. But here's the really important part. I'd stopped living in the past and stopped living in the future created by my past. And I created a new future. I'd stopped experiencing my surroundings through the old me through the me who was living in my past emotions. And then I delved into the science and literally chills ran down my body as I read 
Harvard University studies, Princeton studies, Bondi University studies, experiments that basically all scientifically backed up what I had been doing, all of the steps that I had taken. And then it occurred to me, I realized how many times I had used areas, for example, of meditation to achieve my goals. And so I took courses on meditation and then I took courses on breath work and I studied how the breath affects the body and I studied my nervous system and how my nervous system was being affected. And the nervous system was something I'd really, really gone into with my nutrition, but now I was seeing it also in a very different light. And I studied the theories of Joe Dispenza and suddenly everything made sense. Because as my meditation and breathwork practice grew stronger, so too did the connection with manifesting the life I now knew that I was born to live, my true purpose. I'd spent many years using meditation as a tool. And as I said, I was living the poster girl wellness lifestyle. But what quickly became apparent to me was that wellness was much more than that. It was much more the uncomfortable part of my journey, which inevitably led to that wonderful feeling of wholeness I'd found. But it was in those dark, deep moments that the real transformation happened. So I am not saying that you need to be suicidal or go through some massive trauma in order for wellness to work for you because you don't. Over these years, I have seen three different types of people or three segments when it comes to this level of awakening. So there's those rare few who come into this in an epiphany moment, sat on a bench in the middle of a park. And there's that big segment of people, and I am amongst these, who go through a deep trauma of some kind, whether that be physical or emotional or both. And then there is this whole new wave of people who are just feeling this energy shift. So COVID definitely sped that up for a lot of people. Why? Because there weren't any distractions or certainly not as many. And they listened to the silence. And usually the science silence has a lot to say. So once you've listened to that silence, there is literally no going back. It's uncomfortable, yes, because the unknown is always uncomfortable. But something inside you tells you you can't go back to being that person anymore. And that for me is key in understanding your wellness journey. Understanding that the old you, the one living their present and their future through their past, they no longer serve you. It's not, it's your new you, your new self that's going to take you where you need to go. And you're going to have to believe she or he exists long before they actually do. And you're going to have to embody the emotions of what that existence feels like long before that reality exists for you. But if you do that, I promise you that that need in you, that lack in you will be gone. 
Why want for anything if you feel totally whole? Thanks for listening to Purposeful with Jane. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help other people find it, I would really appreciate you taking a moment to rate or leave a review. If you know someone who is looking to take back the reins of their health, find purpose and balance in their business and well-being, or perhaps is looking for wellness guidance, find out more about how I can help you achieve those goals. You can check out my programs at www.purpose-full.co.uk.